Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. I'm glad to welcome back returning guest Janice Selby from Canada. We're going to be talking about Court 2022. So welcome back, Janice. Yay! Thanks, Yay. thanks for having me back. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking in the lead up to this discussion we're having now about your upcoming conference, you, you've you been on my show more than anybody. I'm sure of that. You've been oh, on there more times. Nice. I don't know if that's, <laughs> a, thing, that's a good thing. It's, it's a, a good joy. thing. I always <laughs> love talking to you. It's wonderful to touch base. We did talk, I guess it was before Christmas, didn't we, about mm-hmm. your divorcing religion workshop. So how did that go, mm-hmm. by the way? Oh, they've been going really well, actually. Every time I've uh, done them, I've just been so glad to do them. Get a new round of, uh, a new group of people every time from all different backgrounds. The last one I did actually happened to be all women mm-hmm. from from different backgrounds. Uh, but I have had them. I did one where I had all men who had been pastors before. And that was really interesting, an interesting mm. dynamic. And folks have come from Orthodox Judaism and Mormonism and uh, just many different backgrounds. And it's a really supportive environment for people to explore some of their own religious trauma and start building their supportive secular network. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I'm glad you're doing that. I know you run those all throughout the year. So even if people can't make the court 2022 and they want to get in touch with you, that's a good way, isn't it? You, how many do you do a year of those divorcing religion workshops? Sure. I've been doing about um, three or four per year. And that seems to be going well. I'm starting another one uh, tomorrow and it'll be a smaller group. And that also is just fine because it's just very intimate and it gives people lots of time to talk and process. Uh, so I, it's one of my favorite things is doing uh, group work. I really enjoy it. So mm. it's kind of, I feel selfish doing it because I like it <laughs> so much. Yeah. But it's such a valuable thing, isn't it? So I'm so thankful that you're doing those. But you've got a big conference coming up again now, Court 2022. I I still can't believe this. I've said this the last time we talked. I think it was last year. It just seemed like yesterday that my sister Valerie and I visited you. You came down (laughs) from Kelowna, BC. We came up to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And that was supposedly for Court 2020, which didn't happen in the end because of COVID, didn't it? Yeah. So now exactly. we're doing the second round of court 2022 yeah. and it's all online, which is That's cool. That's right. It? Yeah. The conference on uh, religious trauma and it's taking place again online. Although I hear from lots of people, I hear you guys <laughs> saying that you sure wish we could be getting together in person. Uh, and I'm <clears throat> not quite ready to do that. Not till everything is uh, quite safe as far as the virus goes. But so this one will be online in April, April 29th to May 1st. Uh, And I have some, uh, a few of the same guests from last year, some of the really big names, Dr. Daryl Ray, Dr. Marlene Winnell, of course, Dr. Clint Haycock. Mm. (laughs) And then then some new folks um, joining us as well. So it's going to be fresh. We've got some very interesting 
topics. And this time it'll only be the, the three days, really one, one evening and two full days, as opposed to last time I ran it over five days, which was just crazy. That's a lot, isn't it? So is it a, a, like last year, is it a case where if people can't attend the actual uh, sessions online, can they access the recordings afterwards? Absolutely. Every session will be recorded. And so and that works out really well for folks who are in different countries, different time zones, or people who just have some financial constraints, because it's roughly half the price to buy simply the recordings. Now, if you purchase the all access pass so that you're attending live online, then you have the opportunity to ask questions of the speakers. And we're having several more um, socializing events this year throughout the conference because we heard from people that they really, really loved those. It was kind of like an online cocktail party, this virtual cocktail party type scenario where uh, the speakers are in the room and uh, people just come and go. You find your own group who you want to talk to and what questions you have. That went over really well. So we'll be doing more of that as well for folks who have the all access pass. I still look back on last year's conference on religious trauma. That was one of the best experiences I had, probably the high, one of the highlights of my year because we were so fortunate to be on a panel with Tim Sledge, David Hayward, the Naked Pastor, and Dan Barker from the FFRF, the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Yeah. All of us ex-pastors, mm -hmm. uh, that was such a good discussion we had. I, I was, yeah. I'm still buzzing about that year, almost a yeah. year later. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. It was so um, authentic very down to earth. Mm -hmm. I know it touched um, a lot of people because we did have, I'm sure, a number of pastors and people who had just been involved in ministry who attended. And, and this year, so now I have my a different a dedicated website. It's uh, religioustraumaconference.org. And people go there and they find out about the conference and then they click for registering and it takes them to register. But with this new website, I got this app on my phone that lets me know every time someone visits the site and it's been incredible like mm. well over a thousand fifteen hundred maybe two not not quite two thousand but moving in that direction that's how many people have visited just since uh january since i got it online and they are visiting from all over the world i've had people from beijing from saudi arabia uh, from the congo from um kenya uh ireland all over europe every state except Wyoming uh, in the United States uh, and Canada as well. So lots of interest being generated. Boy, if only each one of those people would buy a ticket, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yes, yeah, so thousands of attendees. But it's such a valuable resource, day. isn't it? It's so yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've good to share with you later on, I've gotten some messages from people. A woman messaged me on Twitter the other day from New Zealand and she was asking specifically about religious trauma. So I wanted to share that with you maybe later. And then I saw a post from a woman on Facebook, a friend of mine. I won't mention her name, but it's, you know, when we get into this topic of religious trauma, yeah. it's, it's family sort of dynamics and all that, which I think so many people resonate with. But maybe before we get started, we, we, did, we did this last year, but we have to do it again. I think we need to maybe have a, a thumbnail sketch of what is religious trauma syndrome and why is it so important to have this conference on religious trauma? Right. Yeah. It's uh, 
even though the concept is catching on and taking root, that religion actually is traumatizing for a lot of people, um, it's important that we still are clarifying and kind of letting people know what we're talking about. Because when I'm typically talk, talking with someone and I say I'm a, uh, I'm a therapist and I do work exclusively with people who've had religious trauma, people automatically think I'm talking about priests and uh, small children and horrible things that have gone on there. And that certainly is a form of uh, trauma that occurs under the guise of religion. But I'm specifically looking at religious trauma syndrome. And so you've had Dr. Marlene Winnell uh, as a guest on your program before. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Winnell wrote a very important book called Leaving the Fold, which I recommend for everyone who's recovering from religion, essentially. Um, and she She's the one that coined the phrase religious trauma syndrome, and she uses that phrase uh, to describe the symptoms that so many of us experience first as we are part of an authoritarian group or a high demand group or a fundamentalist religious group because we have uh, we suffer within the context of that there are things that are denied us. Uh, things we're not allowed, things we have to reject, things that are imposed on us. And then, you know, if we have the courage uh, or we're able to leave that group, or even if we get kicked out of that group, we have more losses and more um, difficulties and sorrow that come our way, uh, more traumas as a result of leaving that group. So it's that real double whammy. You're stuck, you're stuck with it when you're in there and then you're stuck with it when you're, when you're out. So there's a tremendous amount of grief and grieving and loss that we need to acknowledge in order to be able to mourn it adequately um, and just helps us understand more about ourselves. And sometimes even the symptoms can be physiological. You know, we can be having trouble sleeping. We can be having um, digestive uh, troubles. There are just lots of issues that can go along with this type of trauma, certainly relationships are impacted. If you're constantly angry, you're seething with this anger over the fact that your parents forced you into this, and then you lost so many years of your life to it, invested so much of your money, you didn't go to school, you didn't marry the person you wanted, whatever, whatever, um, then you can just have this anger and it's consuming you and it interrupts, disrupts relationships. So that can also be a part of religious trauma syndrome. Mm so many layers and elements to it. I actually went through leaving the fold probably about four or five months ago. For some reason, I'd never read the book. I don't yeah. know why. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. you said, I talked to Marley Winnell. Unfortunately, she's kind of limiting her appearances now because she's semi-retired, I guess. But because I've, mm -hmm. I've gone back to her and said, oh, I went through your book. Can we please talk again? And she, she turned around and said, well, I, I'm just too busy. I'm trying to limit my appearances which i'm glad to hear that she's going to be at the court 2022 because yeah me too such a valuable mm -hmm. resource isn't she yes she really she really is and um and i'll put in a plug for her group called journey free people can go to her website journeyfree.org uh, and she has a really large extensive support group and forum uh mm -hmm. through her website for people who are recovering from religious trauma yeah there was a lot of things that struck me about the book that one of the things she mentioned is those of us like me who grew up in a fundamentalist context. So I grew up in a very strict Christian home. I've mm -hmm. talked about this before. My mm -hmm. parents followed the Bill Gothard Institute and in basic youth conflicts 
uh, which I believe is a cult. And I was raised in that context, but she talks about when you're in church, and this is something I'd never really made this connection before in evangelicalism. We always used to talk about, you know, you have to wear a mask, you know, oh, we're wearing, we'll take, we got to strip the mask off and be our, our real selves. But to fit into the group, we had to kind of become another different person. Mm-hmm. And when she talked about in the book, she said, basically what's happening is you're putting a mask over your authentic, true self. And the longer you do that, the more trauma you're basically doing to yourself. That's not you. And she said in the book that every time you have an objection or a question or a doubt about something the pastor said or something in the Bible or something about God or whatever, that's your authentic self basically trying to come out and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. And we stuff that down. We repress it. We suppress it. And you're doing damage. And that's part, surely, of this religious trauma syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, and that's such a great way to um, to put it. And I really, it seems to me, when particularly for those of us who are second gen, like you and I, who were born into it, or our parents, you know, became religious, and we didn't really have any say in it. For me, my personality and my views did not have a chance to develop apart from my parents' religious views um and so then eventually i you know when i try and do all the right things marry someone who's very religious and going to be a pastor and uh raise my kids extremely conservatively um and then eventually it just feels like a corset that's been pulled too tight or that beach ball held beneath the water for too long uh and the real me was demanding demanding to come out I couldn't I couldn't keep that mask on uh any longer and uh it was very messy Mm -hmm. when uh finally all blew apart so and you know when I hear from one of the most common things I hear from clients who are working their way through religious trauma is um how devastated they are at the thought of losing the relationship with their parents and it's so terribly sad that Christian parents, and not just Christian parents, fundamentalist parents, so they could be Orthodox Jews, could be Muslim, could be Mormon, uh, their love essentially comes with strings attached. They will love you deeply and have, you know, a close loving relationship with you as long as you toe the line. Mm -hmm. And the minute you reject that religious uh, aspect of it, their their fear kicks in so they have terrible fear that we are going to hell or whatever we're going to be separated for eternity but then i think on some level there's also the fear of apostasy that's lowered down that they're not quite willing to um admit or or accept uh and so the relationships of necessity become shallow or you know there there's such a limit on what we can talk about no, now we can only talk about how our kids doing in sports or school. Absolutely. Well, um, th- this is a great segue because mm-hmm. one of the things I mentioned earlier, I've got something to share someone on Facebook. I won't mention her name, but she yeah. posted the other day that her mother, her fundamentalist mother, and she's a she's left the church, left the faith, mm-hmm. uh, but her mother is still very much into it. And she messaged her the other day. And it was this mm-hmm. whole thing about, you know, Uh, She says, I was always a supportive mom and loving you was never a weakness or fault of mind. You were dedicated, baptized and filled with the spirit. 
And she goes on to say, despite your rebellion, meaning she's left the faith, mm -hmm. yeah. and the way Satan has deceived and twisted your truth, God is real and the end is very near. Once Russia puts their foot in it, Israel will hit the fan. When it does, the rapture is going to happen. And she goes on and on. This whole thing about the war in Ukraine mm -hmm. with the Russian invasion. Mm -hmm. And it's just this classic thing. That's another mm -hmm. element, isn't it, where family can be so toxic after we've left that cult or religion when they're still involved in it. Right, right. And uh, thinking in terms of the parent in that equation, and you and I are both parents, and at one time we also believed, you know, very devoutly, um, we felt that our greatest task, the one task at which we must not fail, was to indoctrinate our children with the truth of the gospel message anything else was small potatoes what really mattered was that our children signed on the dotted line said the magic words um their hearts belong to jesus and so it is such a sense of failure combined with the fear and the confusion that parents have when they because they feel well they did love us they did provide for us and they did they tried to do everything right but the outcome is not what they wanted or um, expected so having a degree of compassion for the family member who remains deeply entrenched while also while also being able to maintain our own boundary for our own mental health you know mom I'm so sorry that you are having these um, concerns. I know it must be incredibly distressing for you. Um, I've made my decision. I'm happy with the life that I'm living. And, and because it causes you so much distress and it causes me upset when I know you're this uh, distressed, I don't wanna talk about this anymore with you. So you have this to set topic those boundaries. is gonna have to be off limits. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and if I if I feel the need to bring it up with you or share things with you, I will. But um, for right now, this topic can't be part of our conversation. And I just love you so much. And what else can we, you know, what other things are going on in your life? Mm -hmm. um, so trying to be kind, still and gentle and affirming our love for them while at the main at the same time. Mm, doing our own adulting, parenting ourselves. Okay. That's mm -hmm. a dangerous thing. So I'm going to stay away from that thing. It's true. It's a I, tall order. Yeah. I've come to see uh, that. I believe yeah, like you said, the indoctrination of children by fundamentalist or cult parents, right. it is a form of abuse. Yeah. One of the books I'm going through now is Dr. Yanya Lalich's escaping utopia, which yes. is a really good book off sort of off the back of uh, take back your life, yeah. which is also a helpful resource. But mm -hmm. the reason I picked up Escaping Utopia was that I think she interviewed something like 65 people who had left some form of a cult or religious group of wow. all different stripes. And she mm -hmm. interviewed all these people, these men and women. And she said, in one of the points, one of the people who left the cult said, you know, we didn't have a choice. We didn't have a say. We were born into it. Yeah. And I really resonated with that because I thought, yeah, that's that's damn straight. I mm -hmm. did not have a say. I was raised in a fundamentalist religious Bible mm -hmm. cult mm -hmm. and I was indoctrinated in all the things that caused, you know, <laughs> religious trauma syndrome in me, rapture, anxiety, fear of hell, fear of a surveilling God. Right. One of the things she talks about is this idea that 
you know, God is always watching us. That's the view that we had. So you develop things like religious scrupulosity, everything you do, every thought is a potential sin. And for Mm -hmm. a kid, that is hugely traumatic. It's got to be so damaging. Yes. And when I uh, hear from people, which is frequently who are struggling, even, you know, they've been able to leave religion behind, or as I say, divorce religion. Um, But there is that lingering fear of hell. Mm. I do have them stop and try and remember when they were introduced to that concept of Jesus dying for their sins of, you know, the, that there is a place, a horrible, terrible place of torment and torture, you know, and for a lot of people, we were five years old, it, you know, that's the same time we we're finding out about Batman, like that. And, and we didn't have the ability to discern between, well, which one of these is fact and which one of these is fiction. And mm. uh, it's just a terrifying, terrifying thing. And when that information is being uh, instilled in you by your trusted parent, who is responsible for your life, um, of course, we're going to absorb it and take it in. And there's a lot of terror with that, which makes it particularly hard to kind of expunge those beliefs because they were inculcated with fear. Um, yeah, so, so people need rooted. to be patient. Yes, we need to be patient with ourselves, continue doing our research, continue listening to stories and watching stories about how other people have, have coped with this and overcome this fear so that it no longer is weighing them down. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty significant one. And then of course, the whole idea of being unequally yoked so people marry as believers and then one stops believing or vice versa people marry as non-believers and one starts believing both of these are very very hard um, situations and this year at uh, court we're actually going to be having David Teachout talking about that navigating uh, you know life with the unequally yoked basically in our situations when one of you stops believing and we're also having jennifer french speak on coercive control so Mm. kind of the earlier uh topic related to cults and jennifer was involved in a christian mystic cult for uh over 10 years of her life uh and now she's become um an expert and done her schooling uh and her master's on the topic of coercive control so i'm really looking forward to what she has to say. We have a lot of interesting and very different topics this year than the ones that we had last year. It is fascinating. And I know we're not talking necessarily about cults per se, but that's a fascinating insight that's most cults. This is something that Yanya Lalich talks about in Escaping Utopia. The psychology of virtually every cult is eerily similar, isn't it? You see the same mm-hmm. dynamics, the same mind control, the same behavior control. She calls it, you know, systems of influence, systems of control, yeah. the sort of bounded choice. You think yeah. you're operating out of free will, but actually you're not. You're mm-hmm. in a context. You're in, a, as Lifton would say, it's milieu control. You're being controlled. And we find that does produce a lot of religious trauma, doesn't it? Being within that coercive control situation. Yeah, it uh it really messes uh, with our mind. And so that even if we are able to leave, 
then we're stuck with this uh, problem of who can I trust myself? Like, I believed that for 40 years of my life. What else am I believing that is not true? Who can I believe? I mean, I trusted my, my parents. I trusted my pastor. Uh, if I can't trust them to know the truth, um, who can I trust? And then, you know, when you're having people from, from your religious life reaching out to you, like your parents or your pastor, we're concerned, you're on the road to perdition, whatever type of thing that they uh, say. It's, it feels so hard, especially in the beginning when you still have maybe some doubts about, well, what if they're right? I, I know lots of people right now with the stuff going on in Russia and Ukraine are saying, oh, it's Gog and Magog Armageddon. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Armageddon, it's just around the corner. Everything's coming true. When in reality, uh, Earth is a pretty crowded place. We have lots of people with lots of different viewpoints. And unfortunately, a lot of people who make it into positions of leadership and authority are malignant narcissists, dictators, greedy people out uh, to pursue gain for their own uh for their own ends um and that's just the nature of people it doesn't actually mean that oh it's this this one thing that the bible or nostradamus or whatever um talked about it just means this is the nature of people and as long as there are people there are going to be wars and long before the bible was written there were wars and famines and pestilences mm -hmm. and just all sorts of things that come as a result of living on this particular planet it's true. And that's kind of edging into the topic that I'm going to be talking about, which is evangelical involvement in politics and then linking it to religious trauma. I know we're not really covering that in this chat, but what I'm fascinated, like that woman on Facebook, that whole thing about the end of the world because Putin's invaded Ukraine has mm -hmm. triggered so many Christians, so many evangelicals that this mm -hmm. is Armageddon. And so therefore, they're now going into overdrive and causing more religious trauma for this poor woman. Now she's her mom's freaking out because, oh, my God, it's all going to happen. Now this is, you know, it's all oh, kicking yeah. off. And of course, we, we know as well that in times of um, uncertainty, so social and cultural and, you know, world uncertainty, that is exactly when people want a strong man in power, someone who is promising, I'll, I'll do it, it'll be fine, it's an easy fix, but actually life is complex. We don't, simple solutions don't often work for complex problems, and it's our fear. It's that I want a parent to tell me what's right from wrong, I want a parent to protect me, and so people give up their autonomy and they go racing to figures like Trump, uh, or Putin, or uh, they go to church, you know, um, wanting that that assurance, that certainty, security, and order that people mm -hmm. really crave. It's true. And we know there's a strong Christian nationalist piece to what Putin's doing as well. So that's another element. But I was thinking too, when we were talking about people who've left the church or a cult, the, another example of the religious trauma that he, he comes on the back end is a lot of times you don't have any real job or life skills. Because again, going back to Yanya Lalich's Escaping Utopia, she talks about there was a couple who left, I think they were in the Children of God cult, mm -hmm. and they were in it for something like 30 years, and they married while in the cult, but then they both escaped, but they had mm -hmm. absolutely no marketable skills because mm -hmm. all their work had been dedicated to supporting the cult. All their money went to the cult. They basically worked for nothing, yes. you know, and so 
they sat in their house on welfare playing video games all day because they just didn't know what to do next. So that's another piece where you've dedicated your whole life to this religion. If you walk out of it, you might have no marketable skills to even get a job. That's right. And actually, um, at the Conference on Religious Trauma, one of your former guests, Ryan Stoller, um, he will be talking on the, uh, the the topic of traumatic homeschooling and how um, evangelical uh, evangelicals use education to totalize. And then it's going to be a panel with Ryan and also uh, Beatrice uh, Weber, who comes from an uh, ultra-Orthodox Jewish background. And she's taken um, the New York State um, School District to court because her she has to share uh, custody with her husband who remains ultra-Orthodox and he insists that the sons go to this particular school and they don't learn anything other than uh, the Torah. So they're not learning Mm -hmm. math, they're not learning. So Beatrice will be talking about it and Elam Zouk um, was raised Amish and Elam will also be talking with us about some of the pitfalls of strictly religious schooling and that ends at grade eight or whatever um you know age it is because these are important topics for people to know about and there are lots of people who are secular who are able to homeschool their kids and provide them with an excellent education in fact but but when it's driven by religious fundamentalism pardon me that's when trouble comes in It's true. And we know this is an article that I just wrote last year in the public research journal, Public Eye, about uh, Christian homeschooling in the age of COVID. And this is another element that's come out of that. They can be so uh, deceptive, basically, because when parents didn't have their schools were closed down during the lockdowns, a lot of a lot of them had no alternative but to homeschool their kids to keep them on track academically. Yeah. And what they found was pre-made curriculum from homeschooling websites and things like that, which seems like an easy win. You know, it's all right there. You just plop down your mm-hmm. money and pay and you get all this wonderful curriculum. What they didn't realize, a lot of it had that fundamentalist, dominionist Christian worldview attached to it. And that's something that Ryan and I talked about on our episode, because he was a product Mm -hmm. of that system as well. So I didn't go to Christian Mm -hmm. homeschool, but I was, I was, I was in Christian schools. So I I experienced some of that (laughs) same kind of religious trauma in Christian school myself. Oh yeah. I, and one, one other uh, topic that's kind kind of similar, like with the nationalism and everything. Um, Mandisa will be talking about, um, She'll be talking about the church, politics, and racism, mm. and how they all link together. Because we know that there's a, there's a lot of crossover there, and we see that coming out today in what we consider the uglier, you know, the kind of the seedy underbelly of the the GOP mm-hmm. or the Republican Party, and really, you know, conservative um, politics around the world racism Mm -hmm. does tend to factor in there it's true i just went through a good book called white evangelical racism by anthea butler and that's Mm -hmm. a good resource if people are interested in that connection she goes through all the way back to basically slave owning days in america and traces that sort of white evangelical racism so yeah there's a lot of good resources out there but that sounds like a fantastic episode
coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to get back into the second half of this chat with my good friend Janice Selby as we continue to talk about what's coming up on the Court 2022 conference. We're going to get into some other issues. We're going to talk about first-generation cultists. What does that mean? We didn't get into that. We talked about second, third, fourth-generation people like me and her who were born into it. But what about the people who joined it, a group or a religion or a cult, later in life and then got out? Is it a different journey for them? What about religious trauma? And then we're also going to touch on Christian homeschooling and some other things. You're also going to hear how you can get a discount for this important conference. And Janice is going to mention that. And I'm also going to put that in the show notes as well. But before we get back into the chat with Janice, I wanted to tell you what is coming up here in the next few episodes here on Mindship Podcast. I mentioned that the other day, I've had a really fantastic couple of conversations. One with returning guest Catherine Stewart, the author of The Good News Club and The Power Worshippers. And we had a really good conversation about what's going on in the Christian right, really embracing the big lie of Donald Trump and how that's playing out in terms of some of these political action groups and so forth. And then I also had a chat with Rachel Hunt from the Recovering from Religion organization. And she's got a lot of really good information on how you can get involved in the RFR, either uh, whether you're seeking support from a group that they run or if you're looking to become one of the facilitators of an online discussion or an online sort of a support counselor, a lay counselor. So that's a really good discussion. I'm also in chats with another very good friend, a returning guest as well. Of course, my good friend Frank Schaefer. And we're trying to set up when we can actually book this in. And then speaking of booking in, we got a couple things coming up. I've been asked to do a presentation this Sunday, the 13th of March for the Florida Atheists. And I'm going to be doing a talk on the rise of Dominion Theology and the Christian right. And if you want to find out more information about that, look the Florida Atheists up on their website. And the link to that, you can join it as a meetup. That's on their calendar. That's coming up on Sunday the 13th. And then we got a couple of MindShift Zoom calls booked in. We've got Michael from the Religious Addicts Anonymous. He's going to be dropping in this month on the 20th of March. And then in April, I think it's the 24th. It's also a Sunday. We've got Dr. David DeAndre. He's going to be coming back and he'll be our guest in the month of April. So how can you get into these Zoom calls? These are fantastic. We do them every month. We had one with Rebecca Drumsta and this month, and then of course we have Michael and Dr. David DeAndre. You can become a part of those. You can get access to those by being a Patreon supporter of the show, and you also get access to our patrons-only call as well. So that's how you can get a, become a part of that. So anyway, let's get on back into the second half of this conversation with Janice Selby as we continue to look at Court 2022, the Conference on Religious Trauma. I wonder too, though, what about, we didn't talk about people who joined a religion later in life because you've got sort of these first generation and then right. second, third, fourth, like you and I, we were raised in it. We had yeah. no choice. Is it uh -huh. different for people who, let's say, let's say, come to a cult or a religion later in life and then leave it? Is yeah. are, they, are they on a slightly different journey in terms of religious mm -hmm. trauma and then recovery? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Because um, first gens who join groups as adults, their personality 
their basic temperaments, their views have already had a chance to form. They already have the basic knowledge of who they are. So that gets kind of hijacked uh, or covered over so that a new sort of personality emerges during their cult years or fundamentalist years. But then when they are able to leave the group, they, stu- they still do often really require um, kind of exit uh, counseling or, or working with, um, with people like me who can t- talk with them about the trauma that went on and how they can be rebuilding the pieces of their life and getting in touch with those old parts of themselves that were there already and are still there um but it's a so it's still kind of a painful uh and difficult process but it is decidedly different from those of us who were born into it it really is i've i've talked to several people who joined a cult or a fundamentalist group and it seems like it's like whatever point they join that group and develop that religious identity as you say suppressing their authentic self their Mm -hmm. growth kind of stops And then Mm -hmm. when they leave the group, they've got to go back and recover that. I remember Mm -hmm. talking to John Atak a few years ago. He's an ex-Scientologist. And he said Mm -hmm. that that's where you see a lot of people, let's say they were in their adolescence and then they joined a group. They have to go back and then they kind of become teenagers again. You know, they they might be in their 50s and they suddenly, Mm -hmm. you know, for men, they grow their hair long and they go get a tattoo and they go crazy and you know, well, and women knows? cut their hair and get a tattoo. <laughs> exactly, I shave your head up. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and that's a different yeah. thing for those of us who were. We never had an adolescence. My adolescence, right. like yours, probably was completely in the religious context. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it's more about a journey of discovering who am I, sort of full stop. I didn't right. have a stunted adolescence. I didn't have one. Right. I was sitting in a church service somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I think the. Uh, we need to be able to, of course, extend compassion to folks who who joined um, high demand groups in adulthood. The the reason we join such groups is because we're vulnerable. We're in a we're in a vulnerable state. So we maybe we might have moved to a new city for to go to school, and we're away from our family. Uh, we might have lost uh, a parent or a spouse someone that's very dissatisfied with their life. They're not happy with their life and they're looking for something else. And of course, folks who are recovering from uh, substance abuse issues, the church is all over them Um, and they are very, very vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. it's vulnerable people, people at vulnerable times in their life um, who end up falling into such groups or getting sucked into such groups nobody joins a cult people join a good thing people join a a community or a happy group or whatever some people end up in these groups because they really want to make a difference in the world they're just good people and they want to make a difference but the love bombing that goes on overwhelms uh the ability to think critically and make wise decisions and so get sucked in that way it's true and when you break down the the psychology of cults or groups that's one thing i appreciate about escaping utopia she talks Mm -hmm. about these groups they're similar in that they have what she calls a transcendent belief system Mm 
Mm-hmm. So they're going to change the world. And it's not necessarily a, re- it could be a religious group, but it could be a new age group. It could be a psych, you know, self-help group. It could be yeah. a, a business oh, yeah. cult, like an Amway. We're going to change the world. And so, like you say, the person comes along at a particularly vulnerable point in their life. And this is a wonderful message. Let's get involved in something that's bigger than yourself. We're going to change or, or the world. Or political groups like Young got, got trapped into a, a, in a, a Marxist political, group. Um, group. Yeah. So, and again, it's, yeah, we're going to change the world. We want to see change in the world. We want to help bring it about. Um, so anybody, we are all vulnerable at some point. It, it really drives me crazy when people say, well, I'd never fall for that crap. Well, you know what? You actually might. It's true. And we know as well, it's not about people say, well, cult, people who join cults or something, it's because they're stupid or gullible. But oftentimes it's the more intelligent people, the more well-educated people. Yes. I mean, look at the people who were joining Nexium, you know, Keith Renere. Yes. yes. Some incredibly well-educated, very mm-hmm. bright people mm-hmm. were sucked into that group mm-hmm. and horribly abused by Keith Renere and the yeah. top sort of lieutenants in the, in the oh, inner yeah. circle. Yeah. And it's uh, very much a cult, uh, cult structure, cult mindset. And we see that in MLMs too, multi-level marketing scams and schemes. Mm-hmm. And we know that those burn through churches like nobody's business because they offer the promise of you will be so successful. You will make so much money. You will never have to work again. You can spend all your time witnessing for Jesus rather That's than right. you won't have to be uh, working to do it. And so then slowly you're your closet and then your bedroom and then your dining room fills up with all this junk that you have to buy through the MLM. And then eventually you're sleeping like on the couch because it's the only place where you have room. Exactly. MLMs are uh, another Another detrimental group. Yep. That's right. Exactly. I went through recently uh, Rick Ross's book, Rick Allen Ross's book, Mm -hmm. uh, Cults Inside Out. And he has a whole chapter on Amway and how that's a cult. He talks about, yeah, like you said, they use deceptive recruitment tactics. And I suddenly started thinking when I was living in the States, I was recruited several times by Amway people and they absolutely used deceptive recruiting tactics on me. They just flat out lied to me Mm -hmm. when I said, is this Amway? No, it's not Amway. It's not Amway. It was Amway. You know, they flat out lied. So wow, they're trying to suck suck me in, you know, so that's that is like christianity in some ways because you're the end goal is we must convert as many people as possible by any means uh that's required so they're excused from fudging the truth or stretching the truth or lying no no it's not just come on out it's just going to be really good music it's just a great musical band that's going to be performing tonight uh instead of uh you know what no and well and even the whole thing of it's not a religion it's a relationship that is so um incorrect like they're trying to repaint it and rebrand it but of course it's a religion like many other religions and it, it's it has risen and it will fall like every other religion mm-hmm. but they don't like to hear that it's true well i mentioned too that i got a message from a, a woman in new zealand maybe you can answer her question i actually mm-hmm. responded to her chat and i told her about mm-hmm. you and i told her about court 2022 but mm-hmm. she says uh, her background she's originally from new zealand she's in her mid-30s married with three children They've been living in Australia for eight years, but have recently moved back to New Zealand. 
And she comes out of the IFB, which is the Independent mm-hmm. Fundamental Baptist Church. Yeah. So she's been out for about five years. She says, I'm an agnostic now. Now, here's her question. She says, I'm reaching out to you because I've just started studying psychology at university, hoping to eventually go for my master's to work in research and help for people who have experienced religious trauma and spiritual abuse. I wanted to ask you if in your time talking to people who have been through those things and speaking to professionals who deal with religious trauma, there's been something that stands out as a particular help to them. So she's reaching out to a few people. Is there anything that you would say to her uh, that stands out as a particular help in terms of helping people with RTS, religious trauma syndrome? I really do uh, tell people that the starting point is to read uh, Leaving the Fold by Dr. Marlene Winnell because she really just lays it out and it's so relatable for those of us who grew up in it. Um, What it's like to feel pressured, you know, when you're in that situation and then also how difficult it can be when we leave that situation. And then she also has some really helpful exercises in that book. Um, I encourage my clients also to spend time doing values clarification exercises because our parents uh, had values for us. They put those values into our, into our mind. So now if we're no longer bound by the religious beliefs that they are, our values may look entirely different, like guaranteed autonomy was not on that values list before. If you're mm. a religious person or in a high demand group, it, I hope it's pretty high on your new, on your new values list. And uh, I will also say it can be helpful to do sexual values clarification for those of us who grew up indoctrinated by purity culture. Um, And so this is a plug for the next conference I'm hosting online in October, uh, which is specifically for people recovering from purity culture. It's called Shameless Sexuality, Life After Purity Culture. And one of our speakers is uh, Erica M. Smith, I believe is her name. And she runs a program called the Purity Culture Dropout Program. And she is just going to be a marvelous uh, guest, but that's going to be a really big conference as well. So yeah, I think doing values clarification is quite important when we are rebuilding our lives. And even so you can do it, compare it to what were your values before? What are your values now? You can have your partner or your spouse, you know, fill it out. What are their values? You can see where they're overlapping. And you can, if you feel like there's areas you want to strengthen yourself in, you start moving in that direction. So those are some of the things that I encourage folks to work on. So true. Other than the values clarification, that was pretty much the answer that I gave her as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I said, have you read Leaving the Fold by Marlene Winnell? Mm-hmm. And I also said, if you're able to go to court 2022, see if you mm-hmm. can make that happen. I mean, obviously she's in New Zealand, so it's a completely different time zone and day there, but she could still access the recordings afterwards. So uh, she absolutely. may be reaching and, out to you at some point. Yeah. And the, the recordings are still available from court 2021. And that was mm-hmm. such a huge, powerful conference. And it's a ridiculously good deal. It's very inexpensive to get those recordings. Um, for people who are wanting to attend court 2022 or buy the recordings, if people are in a 
difficult financial spot. We have discounts uh, available. We have student discounts. We also have a discount code that we can give um, your followers uh, and folks who watch this and listen to this broadcast um, a discount code for podcast people. Right. So I don't know if you want me to give that now or you want to include it in the write-up in your, in your Patreon. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, why don't you go ahead and let's let's tell people where do they go to find out information about the conference and how can they get this discount code as well? Okay, I am going to look it up and make sure that I give the right. <laughs> and make sure you get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, so the code that they can uh, use is called um, podcast 20. And it's all one word and it's two zero. And the P is a capital P for podcast 20. Uh, and they can go to religioustraumaconference.org. And also they have uh, the option if they want to get uh, a deal, they can purchase all access pass for court and for shameless sexuality at the same time. And they save $50 um, US. If they want to check out the shameless sexuality conference, that is shamelesssexuality.org. Right. And then finally, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way on social media if they want to chat with you and get more information about court 2022? Sure, they can. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter as at wise underscore counselor. The counselor has two L's, the Canadian way uh, or the British way. Divorce religion. <laughs> That's right. The British way at divorce religion. All one word is uh, another one of my um, handles on Twitter. Also come to court. Uh, all one word and court is C-O-R-T, Conference on Religious Trauma. They can find me there. Um, I'm on Facebook just as myself. Janice Selby, mm -hmm. and people might see some of my ads popping up these days for the conferences or for the Divorcing Religion Workshop. If you see that ad, please feel free to leave me some words of encouragement and take time to read through the words of unencouragement that mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> people who are very religious take <laughs> the time to leave on all of those. It really kind of proves the point about uh, religious trauma. That's so sure. threatening, isn't it? So yeah. absolutely threatened by we're as yeah. we said the other day with I talked to Dr. David DeAndre and he said that you know we're like in an intellectual contagion. These people that have you know, left the church or left a religion, they don't want to catch it. You know, That's it's like right. having COVID. We don't want to yeah. catch it. So they have That's to go out true. of their way to prove that we're heretics yeah. or worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll invite, uh, I'll invite your listeners also. They can um, go to my website, which is divorcing-religion.com. And there they can uh, book individual sessions with me or learn more about my workshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to this conference. I've already put my slideshow together. I'm working Yay. through it. So got to do a little <laughs> bit more work on it. Plus, uh, you and I, you're going to be there in person. I can't make it in person, but our mutual friend, Dr. Terry Daniel, is doing a conference mm -hmm. in July in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. I think she said you're actually coming down there to do a presentation in person. Is that right? Yeah, because yeah, it's not too far from BC. It's a, it's a beautiful drive. Um, so we'll head out there and I'll be able to um, talk in person and I'll just be sharing my extimony, basically telling people mm -hmm. uh, my story of going from being very religious to not being religious. Not at religious all. at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, thank you so much, Janice. I know you've got stuff to do. We will be seeing you at court 2022. And again, well, online in uh, July and you'll be in Portland. I won't be, I'll still be in the UK, but 
I'm looking forward to hearing your presentation as well. So thank you so much. And I will see you in a few months for Court 2022. Look, look forward to it. Thanks. 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 Thanks.